As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Greetings one, greetings all. I come to you in a, a state of a little bit of a vocal disrepair. I was screaming all weekend, which I will tell you more about in a moment. But welcome to this very podcast about independent music, whether it's punk, hardcore, indie rock, emo, whatever subgenre. I was actually joking with a friend recently that uh, the subgenres that are getting created now in order to be able you know, like hyper pop or whatever, like there's obviously a million that exist now. Um, it's just, it's so interesting to see how many different iterations go out there. But anyways, if you've been in a small sweaty room, that is what I care about. That is who I talk to. And this person of course, completely fits the mold. His name is Tucker rule. And I met him as the drummer of Thursday. He also currently plays in a band called LS dunes, which is uh, you know, some people would describe as a, uh, a super group, so to speak, because we have a uh, Mr. Anthony green from uh, Seosin, sound of animals, fighting circus survive, all of that stuff. And then uh, Frank from uh, my chemical romance. And uh, they just released a record called past lives. I will obviously link to that record in the show notes so you can check it out if you haven't heard it. It's really good. Um, you know, I mean, you're talking about musicians that know what they're doing and they come together because they're friends and they want to play music. So anyways, that's Tucker's newest thing. Um, he's just a great dude, like super fun hang. We actually uh, missed each other a few times on this interview and then we're able to link up over the phone. So the audio quality is a little bit different. It's not bad. It's just different than uh, some of the other conversations I record, primarily because uh, his computer on his end of things was just not working appropriately. We tried, we tried many times, it just didn't work. But anyways, that is what is up in a moment. But you can always email the show 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I love to hear from you, feedback, etc, etc. Like I'll give you an example. I had a few people reach out through last week's episode with uh, Jacob from Narrowhead because uh, I honestly, I didn't know that Narrowhead was so, uh, I guess, influential to that particular scene just because the band has existed for a decent amount of time. Um, I just always kind of thought of them as a newer band, but that's not the case. Like, <laughs> And I, that's my own perception fault as opposed to um, you know the actual reality. But regardless, got a lot of great feedback from that episode and people uh, tapping in with me to recommend other bands to check out. I always love to have that dialogue. So anyways, email inbox is open to you. And you can also um, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. 
because I'm sure that's a large majority of you that are listening to this episode have never done that for a podcast, but I would appreciate it if you spent 30 seconds on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a rating. That would be very much appreciated. And why my voice is a little off is because I did some recording with the band that I sing for called Taken. We're headed over to Japan later in February slash early March with Hope's Fall, and uh, we wanted to get some songs together for this, a a CD release in Japan, and it'll be released digitally at some point here in the States uh, and the rest of the world, obviously. But um, yeah, we decided to put some, um, you know, unique spins on maybe some of our old songs. Maybe, maybe, maybe we did a cover, you know, I'm just going to be a little cagey about this information. But um, regardless, I yelled into a microphone for many hours over the weekend. So that's, uh, that's why I'm feeling a little, little bit under the weather. But anyways, that is an exciting piece of news. And let's talk to Tucker because like I said, Ellis Tunes, that is his current project, but he's also playing in Thursday. They're doing, you know, a lot of celebratory anniversary shows. And uh, I actually saw them, man, it was last year at some point. They played the Glass House in Pomona and it was great. I just love watching Tucker play drums because he uh, he's very entertaining and we actually talk about that in the uh, interview. And so, yeah, let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Here is Tucker from Thursday and LS Dunes. many of your friends also exist like this where it's like hey when did you first meet this person i don't know a while ago like <laughs> you don't you don't have yeah, a yeah but I, I do remember i think this was a uh early uh you know uh, thursday taken show in maybe long island i want to say where we played together um shortly i think it was either shortly before or after full collapse but anyways i was excited to see you guys because it was the first time i saw you and I remember watching you play, and I uh, immediately was taken by your drumming. Pardon the pun. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to say. I, I I, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't did mean to drop that. But uh, <laughs> I, I just liked you as not only as a person, but a, a drummer, because you, you hit the drums hard. And I know that sounds like such a basic thing, but I'm sure that you have seen other people who you have maybe watched perform over the years and like... They're just not really, uh, you know, I guess, leaning into it, so to speak. Uh, has that... Uh, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Has that been kind of like, have you always been that sort of drummer where it's like, oh, yes, I'm going to, you know, hit as hard as possible with in reason? Or is that something that you've just kind of like learned to evolve into and obviously deploy it when you need to? I mean, listen, I, I, I love what I do and I love playing the drums and the energy that you get from being up there on stage is like no other, you know? So it's, it's kind of hard to, for me to do it any other way. You know what I mean? Like I just, I'm so motivated and inspired up there that it, that's, it, it's so much fun. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't help it. If I'm, if I'm in the, in the major leagues and I'm, you know, there's two outs and the, 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 you know, the bases are full, I'm swinging for the fences. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to bust. Right, right. So you're like, 
<clears throat> no matter what, you are going to be hitting the drums as hard as humanly possible because that's really the only gear you got. Yeah, because I just want to be there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just happy I'm up there. And, like, that's, you know, obviously you got to play for the song and you got to do what, what is right for, for the situation. But for the most part, man, like, the, the, the energy and the passion kind of takes over. You know what I mean? And you're, like, transcended. And that's, that's what I love about music is you can get fucking possessed. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you don't even know where you are. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and I mean, because I, I, going back to that idea of the, uh, there are drummers uh, that have a, you know, they just hit lighter and it's just kind of who they either are as people or that's just like they're worried about the technique or whatever. Um, sure. <laughs> is, it, is it one of those things that you're just like, I I see what you're doing. I, I don't understand it, but I see what you're doing. <laughs> No, I mean, in, in a way, yeah, I, I, I respect it. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, I see, I know a lot of great drummers out there that are just like, what's great about them is their technique. You know what I mean? It's almost like you're not even listening to the play. You're just watching how beautiful it is the way they cruise around the kit so nonchalantly. You know what I mean? Like there's an effort, effortlessness to, to a really great drummer. You know what I mean? Like I definitely am one of those people that, you know, I fit the round peg in a square hole. Right. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to shove this in here no matter what. Yeah, it's going in. Right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll hit on that a little bit more uh, in a little bit, but uh, just kind of reflecting on you as a person, I, I know you were born and raised in Jersey, correct? Or am I misrepresenting that? No, that is correct. Where specifically in Jersey? So I was I was raised in a town called White House Station, which is basically central Jersey. Um, the largest mall it was near is Bridgewater Commons Mall. That's uh, that's that's what I usually tell people. Oh yeah, live, live near Bridgewater, right? <laughs> or what exit on the Turnpike? Exactly. Or what diner is nearby? You know what I mean? Right. People in Jersey love their diners. <laughs> it's true. It is. Uh, I think. I mean, people are very surprised when they go to Jersey for the first time and realize like you can't pump your own gas, and then the amount of diners that are there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember going to shows as a kid and like what you did. You know, when you first got your driver's license, did you go to the gig, you know what I mean, and, and, and sweat your ass off singing along to these songs. And then afterwards, you'd go to the diner and you'd just like drink coffee and eat french fries until like two in the morning. Right. Did you ever work at a diner? I, I never did. No, I've, you know, I've never done anything in the service industry, unfortunately. I, I wish I had because I feel, feel like it's a valuable people skill to, uh, to, to have, you know, growing up, but I, I've never done it. Right. It, and it is, too, it is true when you, you know, you have this place to hang out that's open late after shows. And um, it, it, sometimes you are lucky enough to get to know a friend that works at a place where you're just like, oh, man, like they, they got the, you know, midnight to eight in the morning shift and we'll just be able to you know eat a bunch of food and only pay like four dollars oh yeah like table for 12 sure we'll push like nine <laughs> tables together to do that <laughs> you know totally totally yeah I, I i do think that that it is a to your point like a rite of passage for people that have that late night hangout after a show whether it is you know, like all the West Coasters, you know, Del Taco and stuff like that, where you eat out in the parking lot or whatever. But diners are so crucial. Denny's is crucial. Well, especially back in the day, too, because there was no social media. You know what I mean? So the only place you could talk about the, the you know, how great the show was, was together. You know what I mean? Like you, you couldn't you couldn't go home and text one another and be like, that was so sick on the group text. You know what I mean? It was like you had to physically like speak to another human being about it. 
right in real time <laughs> totally it's like hey i, I lost you at the pit I-, I couldn't find you were you okay i was like yeah yeah i just got hit and you know yeah <laughs> it's true <laughs> yeah you just you just paged me uh you know emergency or whatever you know what i mean Nine one one. remember when beepers were a thing <laughs> oh, f- oh of course and anytime there was a nine one one, and then you actually called and then it wasn't an emergency you're just like you're missing the point here yeah it was like meet me at the skate spot i was like dude you just said emergency Totally. I just, I dropped everything, you know? I stopped playing my video yeah, game, yeah. dude. Come on. <laughs> yeah, if you're not fucking dead, don't hit me with 911. <laughs> totally, totally. That's reserved for my parents. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, uh, what's your family structure look like growing up? Like mom and dad in the house, brothers and sisters? So, no, I'm an only child. And uh, my, my dad left when I was about four, which is fine. Because uh, my mom was like a superhero. She coached my baseball team. You know, she went to every single sporting event I had. She's, she's like, you know, the quintessential perfect mother, you know, my best friend. And, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't hard. And she, she was a postmaster, so she was like a boss, too. So I never knew that, you know, there was a difference between gender and pay and all this stuff when I was raised. Um, so that was like kind of, kind of a cool thing to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Moms and dads are, are, are the same. You know, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, but so my mom worked a lot. So I, we, we, my mom bought the house next to our grandparents. So I could literally just be home. But my grandparents were basically watching me constantly while my mom was at work. So I, I had like, you know, a strong core there with my, my, uh, my mom and my grandmother and grandfather right next to us. Right, right. And I think that's so cool to have the experience because – you know, many people have the their grandparents that they see once a year on Christmas or whatever, and they don't actually develop a relationship. But when you have no choice but to, you know, as a parent to be like, okay, you know, mom and dad, can you watch the kid? And then you start to actually have a relationship with them. And, you know, those stories that they tell are passed down to you. I think that's such a special thing. Well, totally. And you're like living their life too. You know what I mean? Like their friends are coming over, you know, and like, they were like very much the centerpiece of the whole family too. So every holiday was, was at that house. You know what I mean? So it was very much like I was at the center of the, of the family, like dynamic. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's true to be like, and on top of it, like that they weren't these strangers that you just saw once or twice a year. It was like, oh yeah. Like, you know, everybody can hang out and there's no uh, you know, forced conversations or awkwardness. It's like, oh yeah, they're just here. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. You're not like relearn, like re-meeting these people every every couple months. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, look at Tucker, <laughs> how he's grown. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, okay, great. Moving on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> totally, totally. With the, uh, I, I think that's incredible that your mom was a, a postmaster, and I think anybody that's ever played in a band gets fascinated with logistics just because there's so much behind, like, oh, let's get the merch over here, and we got to ship this here. <laughs> was there ever any idea that you were going to, like, you know, work, follow her footsteps and, you know, learn the, uh, the, the mail trade, as it were? I mean, no, because I know it's a tough job, you know, and also... I, I, I did work in the mailroom for the USGA, the United States Golf Association, uh, where my grandfather worked. And, uh, you know, I just, I just couldn't do it. You know, I, I, it was fine. I, I worked that job for years, but like I was, that's when I had just started playing music too. So I was like really taken by music and skateboarding, you know, like I had just kind of figured out what punk was and hardcore. So I, you know, for me, like 
doing male stuff, I was like, nah, this, this, isn't, this isn't my thing. Yeah, not interesting. And I know, and my, you know, my mom didn't set out to be that, you know what I mean? My mom's got like a, you know, she's close to a degree in mathematics and all this stuff. So she just did it because she had to, you know, she, that, that was, she just worked her way up in, in the field that she had to work in at the time because, you know, it was only her. Yeah. And so many people of our parents' generations, their idea of pursuing something career-wise that was like your passion, that that wasn't a, a clear message. Right, right. Yeah, and my mom is the type of person that excels at everything she touches. You know what I mean? So it was like, okay, this is the fast track to to being able to support the family. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever, uh, I guess, like connect with your father, or have a relationship with him beyond, you know, just kind of tapping in here and there? Um, I think, I think I tried, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's a very out of sight, out of mind type of person, you know what I mean? And I, I think that, you know, I don't think he ever wanted kids growing up in got the it. first place, you know? And then when my mom kind of got pregnant, he, he tried to leave right then. You know what I mean? Like when he found out she was pregnant and he, she was, they were going to keep me, you know? So then he stuck around and I just don't think that he was cut out for it. And I, I don't fault him. You know what I mean? Like people, some people just aren't meant to be parents and, and he's one of them. And, right. you know, over the years, like I've talked to him a few times here and there, he would occasionally stop by cause he lived in Florida um, for mo- for most of my life. So he would, he would, if he would drive through Jersey, he would stop in and, most of the time unannounced. It was most like, who the fuck is this dude walking down my driveway? Right. Like, oh, that's my father. I better run upstairs and hide in my bedroom, you know? Um, right, right. And then, like, I, t- I tried to get him to come out to a show a few years back, and uh, he just, he kind of hit me up day of and was like, hey, I, I can. I don't like crowds. Like, I, I just, I'm going to have to pass. And, like, from then on, I was like, all right, you know, like, I don't need any other friends, you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've got plenty of friends. I've got a great family. Like, I don't need a fucking adult stranger coming into my adult life. Yeah. You know? Right. It's just, it's, I'm good. You know what I mean? Right. And I think it is, it's so liberating in a way to be an adult yourself and make those decisions where it's, you know, protect either protecting you or just being like, yeah, I don't need this person in my life. And that is in and of itself, you know, a choice that you can make as an adult. Yeah, yeah, especially, like, when you're trying to figure out who the fuck you are, you know what I mean? Like, trying to figure out, you know, what your place in the world is, and, and just, I don't know, it's, it's when you have to, like, foster a brand new relationship that is blood, it's just, for me, I just don't know that, I, I feel like I would have been, it would have been a reverse role, like, I would have been the one fostering the relationship and taking care of shit, you know what I mean? I just, and I just don't want to do that. Right, right, the, the effort that, you you didn't feel like you were ever going to be met halfway, which is obviously what relationships should be, and it was always going to be totally. on you. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, as you were growing up with your your mom and your grandparents, and from what I know you to be, like you're a pretty outgoing dude, and you definitely can fit into a lot of situations, which you know maybe is contradictory to what other people kind of stereotype an only child to be it's like oh yeah they're the you know strange kid that you know plays with bugs in a corner or whatever like he doesn't know how to talk to people and stuff <laughs> has that always been kind of who you were as far as like the outgoing nature of yourself um i i don't know i i don't i don't consider myself an outgoing person i'm actually kind of shy it's like i 
I feel like I mask a lot of things with humor. You know what I mean? Like if I'm nervous in a situation or something, I'll make a joke. You know what I mean? Cause like, I, I'm not really that much of a people person, but I do enjoy becoming that person. You know what I mean? And I, I really think that, you know, as a, as a punk hardcore skateboard kid, you know, growing up now a musician, like I did grow up playing sports. You know what I mean? I right. did learn how to communicate with other people on a team to make things happen, you know, and I was, you know, uh, I ended up being like the, the captain of my football team and the, you know, the, the captain of the baseball team. Like I, I excelled at sports. So I always had this sense of pride. It always made me feel good to be good at something. You know what I mean? And, and then I think I learned how to work with other people in that situation and kind of be a little bit more outgoing. And then, you know, even, you know, even in my, in my, when I started driving and going to shows like me and my friend group, we were like the outsiders at the shows, you know, we would have to drive like 30, 40 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours to get to a show. And all these kids at these shows knew each other, except we didn't like our group before we didn't know any of them. So we would go and see these shows, but we were like clearly the outsiders and we didn't try to socialize because that wasn't like how we were. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I just, I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I kind of stepped into the, 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 the role of being a little more outgoing without wanting to. <laughs> right. No, I, and I, I think that the, the way that you described it in regards to, you know, when you start to learn the dynamics of just getting along with other people, either on a sports team or, you know, school or, or like you said before, understanding your place in the world, I think a lot of that has to do with the nature of like, okay, I can be a little more you know, outgoing in this situation versus this other one where I'm like, no, I'm going to be completely ducked back. Like you, a person isn't just one thing clearly. Totally, totally. And, and, and to the sports thing, it's like, <clears throat> I was hanging out with the, with the sports people and I was also hanging out with the cross punks, you know what I mean? So I had a very large scope of people that I could relate to very early on because of, of, of sports. And then, and then I got into skateboarding, you know, and skateboarding is a very singular singular thing you can do it with a group of people but it's just you and the board you know what i mean practicing your tricks and stuff like that so i feel like it equates to music for me because you know obviously the team is the band you know and and the skateboarding that's me practicing the drums by myself you know that kind of shit rockabilia.com is the place that you should buy band merch online because it's all officially licensed but more importantly they have such a wide swath of bands to choose from. Let's talk about some of the cool stuff they have on their homepage right now. If you are a black metal head that likes Cradle of Filth, you are going to be very excited because they have a limited edition Valentine's Day. Really interesting, like personally not my style, but pretty cool. Um, we're talking a lot of blood, a lot of knives. You know, you you can visit the website and figure it out. But before you do that, please Jot down this promo code, 100 words or less. That gets you 10% off of your entire order. And they also have stuff from bands like Five Finger Death Punch, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Guns N' Roses, David Bowie, Beatles. I don't care what you're into. You can probably find it and you can probably purchase stuff for your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. I don't care who. Maybe your cool older uncle. I mean, most uncles would be older because that would be weird if they're your same age. But you get the point. Ships fast to you from the Midwest and they care about music because they support so many artists, and I love to see that. So, rockabilly.com, promo code 100 words or less, 10% off of your entire order. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. You hit on a really important point, too, with uh, the, again, kind of the nature of growing up, you know, pre-social media of you were able to kind of dip in and out of these friend groups that were so distinctly defined, you know, like you wouldn't take a person on your football team to a hardcore show because they're just like, dude, why is this guy yelling at me? And vice versa, like, but you were able to kind of experience all these things individually. Totally, totally. I was able to figure out like some social cues from other friend groups. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> like, all right, like, you know, you want to talk about Don Mattingly? I could talk about Don Mattingly. You want to talk about Keith Huffnagel, the skateboarder? I could talk about Keith Huffnagel. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've got a good, a, at least a good uh, um, repertoire of things to talk about with m- many different people. <laughs> right, right. And it's funny, too, the, it's, that you say that because you, for as long as I've known you, you've always struck me as having a West Coast vibe, like just the, you know, and that may be, sac- you know, sacrilegious to a <laughs> New Jersey person where it's like, don't ever describe me as a West Coast person. But like, you have the nature that you're uh, disarming where people aren't going to feel, you know, threatened by you where it's not like, oh, my God, like Tucker, holy crap, like, you know, he sucks all the oxygen out of the room or whatever. But like, because you can, you're more laid back and not just like in people's faces. Um, has that ever been described to you? Or is that me just reading, you know, no, far into t- it? That's a, that's a relief to hear because no one ever wants to be the person to suck the oxygen. Out. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> no, I mean, I, no, I, I definitely, you know, I, I, I like to be funny and I, I, you know, obviously like we all want to be liked, you know, we all want people to like us. So I'd, I don't know. I, I always go by the mantra, like, it's so much harder to be a dick. You know what I mean? Like, you have to be so witty to be mean. So I, yep. I just think it's just so easy to be like, tr- like treat people the way you want to be. I know it's cr- cliche, but treat people the way you want to be treated. Now, you know, my wife would say differently because, you know, she, she sees me when I'm at my worst. So I, I could be a terror at, <laughs> a lot of the time, too. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the people closest to me will know the, the true demon that I am. Isn't it crazy how like you are just the worst to the people that you love? I'm I'm, I'm saying you by meaning me. <laughs> no, I, it, it's 
It is so, yeah. And I mean, I know that you have a child as well. And like, I have an 11 year old and it is one of those things where you just see that so distilled into a child where it's like, man, they would never treat anybody else outside the house like this. This is crazy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Cause they know you're not going to leave them. <laughs> totally. You're like, it's good that they feel secure, but maybe, yeah. it, maybe not this secure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe stop acting like a jerk. <laughs> totally. Maybe I shouldn't feel like my child is a jerk, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, a- a- as you were navigating, you know, all of these different uh, social and friend groups, and like you said, you started to gravitate towards, you know, skateboarding and, uh, you know, punk and hardcore and start to get introduced to that. This is maybe me putting my only child experience as well on you. You didn't, you didn't really have people to kind of bounce off of at home, whether it's, you know, your, your, older sibling or somebody else. And a lot of it is just kind of you navigating the world on your own. Um, was it, were you kind of bouncing, you know, the bands and stuff that you were getting into off of friends? Like how did that initial intro point come to you? Um, man, I, I don't know. I, I feel like when I skateboarded specifically, when I got into skateboarding, there was a, a guy that, that lived nearby. who was, uh, like a brother of one of the girls I went to school with. And his name was BJ and he was like the best skater and he was like the coolest dude. So I felt like I had somebody that I looked up to, even though from afar, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he started playing drums and then like, I was like, Oh man, I want to play drums because BJ's playing drums. You know what I mean? And then I, I became friends, like really tight friends with his cousin. And we ended up going to high school together. Um, me and BJ's cousin, and he's the one that I would go to all these shows with. And so I, I, I definitely like had like, a really tight brotherhood with, with the, the hardcore kids that I, I kind of came to know, like my friend Brandon, my friend Mike, they actually came to the show in Philly last night at the church. We played at the church, um, in, in the first Unitarian church last night in Philly. And, you know, I remember seeing the mighty ink and dagger with them when I was, you know, it 1996 and it being changed by seeing that show. You know what I mean? And here we are men, 44 year old men coming, you know, they're coming to support me with my new band at the fucking church. Right. You know I mean? like it's just, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just like, we're still doing the same shit. You know what I mean? We're just older. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I, I like that, um, that experience that you're talking about when you are able to see these full circle moments and then ultimately appreciate it too, where it's like, you know, some people would look at the idea of, you know, playing a show in a church basement and then seeing a show. It's just like, why, why is that special? And you're like, I can't even begin to describe how special that is. <laughs> Yeah, dude, my life changed the day that I saw Ink and Dagger. And we we were pretty sure it was 1996, but my life fucking changed. I was like, dude, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, and it it wasn't like they were a hardcore band. They were a hardcore band, but they were a different hardcore band. You know what I mean? It was just, it was just something that, and there were, they were, they had face paint on and there were strobe lights and it was real dark in there. It was insane. And like the lights were flickering so much that like one point you would see, somebody upside down, you know what I mean? It was just insane. It was just the craziest experience. I was like, man, I want to do that. Right. I want to be cool like that. That, that to me is what cool is. <laughs> totally. Totally. Did you, uh, care about school? Like how did you, uh, you know, apply yourself on the, uh, the, the studies and everything like that? Oh man, I, I was okay at school. I just, I, I don't know. I was under the, the mindset of like, man, I'm never going to use calculus. You know what I mean? I'm right. never, you know, I just, so what's the point? And I, I mean, I went, I showed up to class and stuff and, 
you know, I mostly did it to hang out with my friends. You know what I mean? I, I liked going to school. I just didn't like doing anything that's schoolwork related. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is cool to hang out, but like, why are you bumming me out with all this homework and stuff? <laughs> totally. I, I'm not a smart person. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not a book smart person. I like to think that I can talk my way in and out of situations and such, but for the most part, like, you know, I, I, I kind of saw what the bullshit was like, oh, this is busy work. You know what I mean? Like, blah, blah, blah. I'd rather be skateboarding or practicing drums, you know? So I, I, right. my mom, if my mom hears this, she'll have a heart attack. But like, I just, I, you know, <laughs> that's what she, yeah, that's everybody that, wanted. Ev- that's what she did. They wanted the best for me. They wanted the best for me, but <laughs> I gave like 35% at school. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 it's a very interesting you know, piece of calculus that you do as a kid where it's like, okay, what grades do I need to get to keep my parents off of my back and like allow me to, you know, go skating, go to shows and stuff like that. So if you're like, you know what, probably a C plus, like, let's try that out. Let's see what that does. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, okay, that doesn't work. I I should maybe get a B minus then. Totally. Or or just like teach me useful shit. Like teach me how to buy a house. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't you wish you knew as a teenager the steps you needed to, like, save money to buy a house? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, totally. Infinitely. Like, what's interest? It's like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm an adult, and I, don't, I barely know how to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, teach me about an IRA. Teach me about how to save money. Like, don't I, I don't need to know this other – like, teach me how to give a server a tip. totally not just like insult people for many years and then have someone that you're eating with be like wait you need to give more (laughs) oh i didn't know that or are you are you doing that on your fingers (laughs) (laughs) totally it's like yeah you just feel you you feel so unequipped for life until you run into somebody or you know you date somebody someone shows you the right way and then you're just like i can't believe i've been existing like this for 10 years or whatever yeah, like, oh, doing laundry is this easy? You know what I mean? Why couldn't you show me how to do laundry, you know, when I was eight? Right. I I do think that there is a space for you in, you know, uh, T- Tucker's school of, uh, you know, hard knocks or what have you, where you just, you know, you're like the shop teacher, but except for practical stuff at your local high school. Exactly. Like, here's how you just get by. <laughs> totally and you're like as a bonus i'll teach you how to you know to tune your uh snare as well <laughs> exactly find what you love excel at it but other than that just get by <laughs> totally <laughs> and i know that uh you mentioned in previous interviews as far as like you know you getting your first uh drum kit at, like around 18 or so um which yep. is which is which is interesting because like most people obviously start to dabble around with you know whether it's piano or guitar or what have you when they're younger um but drums are usually that forbidden instrument because it's like okay it takes up too much space and it's way too loud like i can't do that was that kind of your experience for you like had you tried other stuff before and then drums only entered that equation at that age i had never been into playing music prior to the first time i sat behind a drum kit you know i liked listening to music i liked going to shows i liked music you know but i never you know i never was like oh i want to i want to play music you know i was like i want to be a pro baseball player pro basketball player something you know what i mean yep so the first time I sat behind the drum kit, I was like, oh, this is pretty sick. Like, I think I could do this. And then, like, I'll tell you right now, like, drums are my first love. Like, that's the first time I ever fell in love with something. Right. Besides skateboarding. But, like, I was like, this is the best 
why didn't somebody show me this earlier? Right. You know, this is the best thing I've ever, I've ever come across because it's, it drums teach you something every single day. Still to this day, I learn every single day. You know what I mean? It's, it's a great teacher and it's a great like motivator. And it's, it's a, you know, you literally have to split, split your brain in half or not think at all. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's the craziest thing. And I just really, the second I sat back there, I just felt like, wow, this is, this is something that I would like to do. Right. It unlocked your brain in ways that you had never felt before. For sure. And I, I like that uh, articulation of what you just said, the idea that you either need to be so dialed in and thinking about it or be running completely off of instinct. Cause I do think that, you know, people do experience that on different levels from an artistic perspective, whether it's, you know, writing a novel, like in the zone or whatever, like <laughs> that description of it. But I, sure. to your point, it does like, there are different zones. There's the zone of like, I literally have to be counting this, you know, four, nine part or whatever. <laughs> and then other times I could just let yeah. it ride. Yeah, you're just going by instinct and like you know when it's supposed to change because you can feel it, you know, and that's, that's the stuff that I love about drums and music because I'm not classically chained, uh, trained. I just know when the, that change is coming. Right. And my superpower is, is memorizing musical pieces so I can like regurgitate them quickly. Right, right. You know, so that's, that's, that's the one, like I feel like I found not only what I love to do but something that I'm actually good at too and you know, there are a lot of people that are better than me and that have better memories than me. But like, I feel like I found a little niche that I can, that I created for myself, um, in this. And I, and I, it, you know, speaking before about, about like hitting as hard as I can, like, that's how I learned. I learned watching, you know, local hardcore drummers play, you know, watching like, uh, there was a band called vision that I loved and the drummer was great. And he, they, he played fast and he played like, but it was unhinged, you know what I mean? And I, I loved it. And so a lot of people get into drums by learning, like, you know, reading through a book and, you know, learning all the notes and doing the paradiddles and practicing on a pad. You know, I didn't learn that way. I learned the fun way. You know what I mean? I learned the way of, like, just engrossing yourself into teaching yourself how to do this yourself. However, the other side of that is learning bad habits and then having to, you know, undo them as an adult right. <laughs> to learn how to do things correctly so you don't hurt yourself. Right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, and like you mentioned with, you know, Vision and Ink and Dagger, uh, when you started to see those bands that were, you know, local f for you and make the scene more tangible because you were able to see these bands a decent amount, um, what were some other bands that you saw in the earlier uh, years that really kind of leapt out at you as being like, oh, I think I want to do some version of this? I mean, I, I, I would, the, my first show ever was seeing... Uh our local heroes, the bouncing souls. Uh, I was 14 years old. And my mom dropped me off at this place called city gardens in Trenton. You know, it was a gnarly, gnarly place. And I, I saw this band opening it. They were called yuppie side and they were fucking amazing. And like the singer was wearing this mask and it was like scary, you know, cause I'm a 14 year old kid. You know what I mean? Like, right. I was still scared of shit, you know, back then. Like, um, I just remember being blown away and, and, and just loving it. And then growing up with bands like earth crisis. I mean, not that they were like local cause they were in the, the upstate New York area, but they would come through the tri-state area quite often and seeing stuff like that, just the sense of community and how crazy these shows were and how heavy the music was. It's just, I don't know. It was like, it's like bent my brain. Right. <laughs> I do. And I also love that idea of when you see, all of these bands sort of devoid of context where it's like, yeah, you could maybe be like, Oh, they're faster, they're slower or whatever. 
but like you're just diving into it and trying to drink as much of it in as possible as opposed to oh i can't like this band because they're not part of this scene or whatever yeah yeah totally dude and like i remember like like a new earth crisis record would come out and we'd be driving to the show, just listening to the record over and over again. So we could learn the lyrics so we could sing along at the show. You know, it was like, that was like my version of, of, of studying and going to school and cramming for a test. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. And, uh, what, what was your, I guess, first band, you know, like when you actually were playing with other people and, you know, maybe actually played a show. So, um, my first band was, uh, so like you said, I got the drums when I was 18, but how that happened was is my buddy Mikey, who I was just talking to uh, to you about before, he came to the show last night, um, we've been best friends since high school, uh, and my friend Brandon, uh, my friend Mikey bought a drum kit, he was like, hey, we should start a band, and I was like, alright, cool, um, I can't really play anything, so I'll sing, and my buddy Brandon was like, I'll play bass, you know, and then our, our Tom, who plays on Thursday with me, was like, I'll play guitar, and so we, we, we learned a couple of chokehold songs. Um, and I couldn't sing, you know, I, I just, we wanted to sound like chokehold. I couldn't sing. Uh, Mike couldn't play drums. Brandon really couldn't play bass. So we kind of switched. I was like, all right, like, let me try to play the drums. So I bought those drums. Right. And, uh, we went on to play our first show at our friend tour's house, uh, for a party. We did a, a chokehold cover and we played like two other songs. Our band was called Turnbuckle, and that was the first and last time we ever played together. And then, so Thursday is my, my actual first band that I actually did my first recording with and made a demo, and you know, then we went on to make more shit after that. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot, fast, and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Listen, there's a lot of places to visit on the internet, but you need to go to evilgreed.net because they are a highly curated web store based in Berlin, Germany. So they can offer web store solutions if you are in a band. But what they want to talk to you about is the fact that they have these really, really cool stores from a lot of very interesting bands. Like they kind of act like a record label where they have a very unique point of view. And if you like certain styles of heavy slash artistic music, you can probably find your favorite piece of merch or vinyl or whatever it is from evilgreed.net. But before you go to their website, I want you to take down this code. Use 100 words in the checkout and you will be able to get 10% off your entire order. It is a great deal. So you should do that. But let me just talk to you. They got a ton of cool full of hell stuff. And you will notice that there's a lot of previous guests on this show that appear in their web store. And they also work with labels like Sargent House, Triple B Records. They have so many cool things. And they ship it to the United States very quickly, very cheaply, because, you know, sometimes you're like, dude, I'm not going to order from Europe. That's way too expensive. Evil Greed keeps the cost low to you, and you'll be able to order a bunch of stuff. So, like I said, if you like any of those bands you probably will find a lot of cool stuff at evilgreed.net. So check out the website and use the promo code 100words for the 10% discount. 
Thank you very much, Evil Greed. Now on with the show. That was the reason why I asked because I find it, I mean, there's very few people that have your trajectory of like technically your first band is the band that you still play in, which is so funny to say. Like, <laughs> it's, Dude, it's, it is crazy. It's wild to think about it. I don't often think about it that way, but it, it, that, that is very crazy to think about. And also, if you listen to Thursday's first record, Waiting, um, I'm basically playing every beat that I know. At that time, on that record, your yeah, all of your capabilities are all, are on show. <laughs> yeah, dude, max the fuck out on that record. Right. I also I also really like the idea, like you know, when you're putting together those chokehold covers and you know playing it at a party, because I, I I love that experience of playing a, a show for a friend, where it's just like, oh yeah, we're all hanging out, and like you know, my friend's gonna play some music or whatever, and you're just you know most people are going to be like i don't content with dying like what the hell is this i, I, I don't care about joke exactly dude <laughs> yeah we were this is again what we were talking about before these were like normal people <laughs> these weren't these weren't like hardcore kids these were like our classmates who like were just like normal everyday nice people and i'm like we're like screaming in their faces songs that they've never ever heard never want to hear like right. don't care about it's beautiful. It's such a like yeah. Talk about talk about round peg in a square hole. That's what we were doing. <laughs> totally. And then and then after you're done, people will be like, "So that was uh, that was loud. <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, you guys were really really loud. Are you okay? <laughs> I yeah, love. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like I. I'm gonna need at least thirty years to be able to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> I exist. I know that. Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> And so with the idea, like you're talking about with, you know, school kind of just like getting by, was there any sort of, I guess, career path for you? Was there like, okay, I'm going to go to college and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to plug into this. Like, was there any conception of that or were you just kind of like, hey, I'm going to, you know, live focused on music and that's kind of what I'll figure out. Prior to discovering the drums, I, I think that I was like, all right, well, I'm, I can write. Like, maybe I'll do something in English. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I maybe I'll, I'll, you know, teach or something. I don't know. Like, but I had really no aspirations to do any of that. Like, it, it started out like, all right, sports or nothing, you know? And then it was like, all right, pro skater, not going to happen, you know? And then I discovered drums and we, 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 you know, Thursday started happening and I wrote down my tour dates and I was like, all right, well, this is what I'm doing. You know what yep. I mean? Like, <laughs> this is what I'm all in I'm on. all in on this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, no money, basically eating mustard on a hot dog bun. You know what I mean? Kind of, kind of, kind of shit and just sticking it out. And I've, I've been literally sticking it out for years. So. Right. It's, it's, I really, I did, there was no backup plan. There was no anything like that. It was, I, I was doing this or I was going to have to figure it out at a later date <laughs> right yeah you're just gonna ride this wave until it crashes into the shore and then you'll figure it out after that yeah because when you're 20 25 you know stuff like that you're you're you're, you're on tour you're you're not making money but you're you're like passing time and you're doing something you know where you feel good about it you know you're not worried about making a living you know no you're just you're just you're happy to exist day to day and do something you love and you know you're trying to be cool you want people to be cool around you and you're hanging with your friends and you got no responsibility, you know, but you know, you're doing something, you know, that, that's, that's kind of where I was at at that time. Right. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's very hand to mouth. You, you know, the only person you have to take care of is yourself and, you know, maybe a significant other. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that, you know, on, on that notion, when you started to, you know, play shows and, and tour, 
touring i know is a double-edged sword especially you know as you get older and obviously you know like you were talking or we were talking about earlier having kids and stuff um had you always enjoyed touring or has your process behind that kind of evolved over time i mean i do love touring i do uh, love being you know, when I was younger, I liked being in the van and seeing the, the the world. You know what I mean? Now I'm a little older. I like, I enjoy being on the bus and I enjoy like being around friends and kind of having a little touring family, you know, and, and I've been really lucky that I, I play music that people really attach themselves to. Um, so it's, it's always like, I, 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 you know, I'll be completely, you know, transparent here. Like I definitely have days where I wake up and I don't feel like doing it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm we'll be in like bumfuck wherever. And I'm like, man, I just don't even feel like playing. You know, I just literally don't even feel like it. Like, and I won't warm up. I'll just like put on my show clothes and like step out on stage. But as soon as I get out there, that's where like the music possesses you again. And you're like, dude, I, this is exactly where I need to be right now. But for the most part, um, yeah, I do love it. And, and speaking about present day and, and having a family now, it's harder. It's harder to leave. Um, you know, uh, we try not to do it for longer than a month, you know, at a time. Um, you make it manageable. Even saying that out loud. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But even saying a month out loud sounds like an eternity, you know? Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, again, again, I got really lucky, you know, cause the pandemic was awful, you know, it was awful for everyone. Um, but, but I got really lucky cause I had my daughter right at the beginning of the pandemic. She was born on March 27th and we moved into our house March 4th. So, not only did I like time a pandemic perfect for buying a house, but we also had a baby. So I wasn't going anywhere for a year, at least anyway. So I I was actually able to spend the first two years of my daughter's life, like with her, like as her primary caregiver, because my wife has a good job and she was working from home. So I was like daddy daycare, you know? So I got really lucky in, 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 in that, um, I think it would have been different if, it, if if things were normal and I would have, you know, we would have had her and then a couple months later I would have gone on tour and I, I, I feel like I would have been away a lot of her, you know, really formative first couple of years. But, um, you know, being able to have that bond with her now, um, you know, we're really attached to one another. Um, so it, it is harder to leave, but at least she understands a little bit like, Yes, I am your father. And yes, I'm always going to be here for you. Daddy's just got to go to work and play some drums for a little bit, and I'll be right back. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. There's there is some level of understanding that it's like, okay, this is this is what normal is for me. Um, and yeah. you had time to build that foundation for sure. For sure, for sure. Like the first two years of me being like up in her grill constantly. <laughs> you know, yeah, she yeah. knows that I'm. I put I, I put the time in, and I'm not going anywhere. Right, right, yeah. Now she's like, oh, can, can you leave me for a bit? I got, you know, I, I like mom as well. <laughs> Dude, she, yeah, exactly. Dude, she bugged out last night on FaceTime because she, she came to the show the night before because we played Jersey. And she literally, my wife brought her out to front of house. And as soon as I walked on stage, my wife looked down and she was asleep. Right. So she didn't even see a note. Um, but she was like pissed because the next night in Philly, she didn't come. And she's like, I want to go to Dad's show. I want to go to Dad's show. But, you know, she, so she, she's like starting to, to, to like want to be around that stuff, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. When did you like, as you started to, you know, put out records and, you know, like you said, putting out waiting and then obviously full collapse, when did you feel 
like it was, I guess, real, for lack of a better term. And it doesn't necessarily need to be this like, oh, we played, you know, this huge show in front of a thousand people. Um, or it can be that. But when did it feel like, oh, there is some momentum here and people are paying attention to it? Well, I, I remember it was like 2001, maybe, and and Saves the Day asked us to open a tour with them and Hey Mercedes. And then literally like a few hours later, Converge asked us to open a, a tour with them. And uh, like two two of our favorite kind of bands that that literally like go, are, are literally two ends of the spectrum right there. Yep. Um, and we ended up doing the Saves the Day run because I, I think that it was longer and the dates lined up better for us. Um, but we made a video uh, for a song called Understanding in a Car Crash, you know, just on a whim, not for anything, not for people to really see. It was just Steve, our guitar player, Steve Padula, um, has an extensive film background, and he had a bunch of film friends that were going to be in a in a city that we were at. I think it was somewhere in North Carolina. And they, they were like, oh, can we do a you know music video with you guys? So we, we did, and then we hit the Save the Day tour, and MTV kind of picked up the video. So we were, like, opening this awesome tour with Hey Mercedes and, and stays the day. And the band started catching heat and suddenly people were showing up earlier for the gig. You know what I mean? Like we weren't just the opening band playing for the people walking in, like people were getting there to see all three bands. It's, and I think it was at that point where, so, yeah, I, I was just going to say it, it's, it, it's so, it, I, I sorry to interrupt, but I just like you describing that. It just gives me goosebumps because I love when that happens to bands where it's like, you know, you commit to a tour, you know, many months in advance and then like things, you know, coincidentally start to happen. And then it's like, Oh wow. Like the, you know, this opening band or one of four or two of five or whatever, all of a sudden is like clicking in a way that no one ever would have anticipated because, you know, no one can predict the future, but it's just so cool for you to be able to feel that experience on a tour and be like, wow, people are showing up like, just to see us and like that's unbelievable yeah dude it was crazy man and i just remember just being so grateful because this was a whole room full of people that we wouldn't have been playing for absolutely you know what i mean it, this it just hit at the perfect time you know with with this tour with the with the video coming out with mtv like picking it up and like putting a song like understanding on a, 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 in a car crash on the radio where where it, it caught on you know what i mean like we never knew what we were doing when we wrote that song. We didn't know that it was going to have any impact. We didn't know that it was a single. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, those words, those, I, I had, those words were not part of the, the planning process when it came to the record. <laughs> yeah, dude, when we recorded that record, man, like my, the underneath the drums, you know how you get that, like all the shavings from the wood, from the sticks. Yep. I, mine, mine was wood shavings and Paul's cough medicine wrappers because I had strep throat so bad. I could barely talk and I could barely move. So between takes, I was just eating halls. You know what I mean? Like we had no idea that this record was going to be important to anybody. Right. You're like, I just got to get through this. <laughs> yeah. I just, I literally, this is, again, this is everything that I know on the drums and I'm sick as fuck. So it might not be my best performance, but we're doing it. This is the time we booked. Let's go. Right. Yeah. L listen, I got to do all these drum takes in like eight hours. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly we got two weeks to record this record <laughs> <laughs> totally and, I, and actually that's that's a interesting because i i always felt like in the recording process like you know from a selfish vocalist perspective i always hated going last but then alternatively i always looked at 
the drummer usually going first as being like, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> like you're setting the tone for, you know, the record as you're getting, you know, not only the room tones, but then, you know, just your own performance. Uh, did, did that ever, I guess, enter your train of thought of like, all right, well, I'm going first. I'm, I'm getting everything laid down. Or, or was that just like exciting for you because the page was blank? I, I loved it because in doing that, like very early on, I realized that like, obviously there's patterns in drums, right? You're following a drum pattern, you're doing these things. But for me, the pattern was finding a fill and making it the theme. You know what I mean? Like repeating a fill, you know, I, I enjoyed like the crafting of the drum part, you know, putting something somewhere intentionally, you know, I just love that. And, and, to this day, I still use that. Like if I'm writing a song with someone, like I obviously find the beat first, you know, what works for the guitar part and for the vocals. But then I like come up with the fill. That is the fill for the song that happens several times in the song to trigger the next part. So I just, I really enjoyed coming up with like the theme of, of, of each song. Um, so the blank canvas for me was, was really fun because I feel, I feel like my, my job is to make it easy for the bass player and the guitar player and the singer to figure out what they're going to do over top of, of the foundation. Right. I, I really like that. Like the, just that idea of like sprinkling in those parts that are distinctly you, because like you said, you came up with the the pattern that's locked in and then, you know, doing the fills that make, you know, people air drum at a show. It's like that, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that just gives you a lot of satisfaction. Dude, I remember driving in the car, going to see a band like Vision or going to see a band like Inga Dagger and, and just like air drumming on the steering wheel and being like, why am I doing this? Oh, because they wrote a part that is so undeniably air drummable. You know what I mean? So I totally. think about that all the time. Like what, 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 what makes people want to dance? Well, you know, some people don't like to dance. Some people just like to hit their steering wheel. So what's going to make the person hit their steering wheel? You know what I mean? Like that <laughs> yeah. kind of shit moves me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to dissect all your, your time in Thursday in regards to like going through your records and stuff like that. But, you know, as, as the band started to wind down from a, a touring perspective, I know that there are many shifts that people have to go through where it's like, oh, like, what am I going to do next? Not only from a professional perspective, but, you know, my identity has been so tied up in, oh yeah, I'm Tucker from Thursday. And like, you know, this obviously being your first band. Um, was it difficult for you to kind of, transition from being that person you know tucker from thursday to being like tucker from something else like i don't know exactly what that may mean but i have to transition oh, it was it was pretty impossible man like I, it, when you have that identity your uh -huh. whole life you know my my basically my adult life was being tucker from thursday you know what i mean and i'm right. very attached to that because i was so proud of it it's all of our baby you know what i mean it's like it's our it's what we lived for like our whole adult life was was spent crafting thursday Yep. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was difficult to like, let it go for a little bit. We always knew we were going to come back, you know? Um, I remember, um, you know, the band kind of going on hiatus and then, and then, uh, talking to my project manager at Island, this guy, Eric Wong and being like, Hey man, you know, like, I think Thursday is going to take a, take a break for a little bit. I was like, if you have any like artists that need a showcase or if you, you know, need anybody to play drums for anything, like, please don't hesitate to look me up because I'm like not looking to leave the industry. You know, like I was so in love with being in a band and so in love with playing drums, like, and I had been doing it for so long at the time that I didn't have, again, another skill that I had, that I had honed in on, you know, like, 
I was a little too old to, to pick up that basketball career again. You know what I mean? A little, sure. a little too fragile to, to get back on the skateboard, you know, all that kind of shit. So, and luckily he, 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 he sent me towards this, this, uh, boy band called the wanted. The wanted. Yeah. British, right. Yeah. Literally a British boy band. So I was able to do that for a bunch of years and, and, and that kept me afloat as far as like remaining, uh, you know, a sort of quote unquote relevant musician slash drummer, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I had I had a lot of transitions from Thursday into other bands. Yeah, you know, after that, which was a huge help. Right, and I I think something that's so interesting, most particularly with drummers, I think that there is this sort of I don't know a better way to describe it, but like working class nature, where you'll you know you like the wanted, like clearly it doesn't have any personal connections to you in regards to like, oh, I saw them growing up at the church. Like, clearly that wasn't the case, but you were going to show up, do a good job, be excited about the opportunity, be excited to, you know, get to know this whole other side of the industry. And I, I think that, I mean, yes, like guitarists and bassists and other people have that sort of mentality as well. But I think drummers are uniquely uh, fit to like be able to be thrown into these opportunities and kind of hit the ground running. For sure. And I think with drums, it's like we, we all love, you know, I mean, everybody loves playing their, their instrument, you know what I mean? But I feel like drummers is a certain community. Like we, if you're a drummer, you're pretty much obsessed with the drums, like across the board. I don't right. know a drummer that's not fucking obsessed with playing drums and the gear and snare drums and all this shit. So I, I always think that we're kind of all the same in the fact that it's like, oh, can you play pop music? Yeah, dude, totally. Like you fake it till you make it. Like, right. <laughs> You, you figure you figure out how to how to how to play pop music. You know what I mean. You figure out how to how to tone down the you know the double kick pattern. You know whatever. You know you, you figure out what is needed for for the musical director because you have when you're in a pop pop gig, a lot of times you'll have a music director that's kind of telling you how to play the songs. You know because a lot of these pop records are made without actual instruments, right? And, and they're programmed drums. So it's like okay, what do we need to do to make this transition uh, or sorry uh, make this uh transcribe to live right so it was fun you know kind of kind of stepping away from from being tucker from thursday and just being like tucker the professional musician who's here for a purpose to do a job to make sure that these five boys in front of me um don't know that they're not singing to the record you know what i mean kind yeah of, kind of vibe yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I was going to ask two two experiences I know, I mean, with The Wanted and then, you know, actually like doing the late night uh, drumming stuff that you have with like Seth Meyers and stuff. Um, with both of those experiences, what was, I guess, the most starkest difference where you're just like, whoa, this is crazy. I've never like, I'm surprised that, you know, this was, this is the way that it is. Um with those two experiences in particular, what was the most, uh, I guess, jarring for you to kind of get used to? Um, I think the most jarring thing to get used to, especially with the boy band was like, um, kind of just showing up and having the only responsibility is to do your job. You know, there was no, you know, no one was kind of asking you for an autograph. Not that everybody asked me for an autograph because they don't. But there was no there was no emphasis on like figuring out a merch design, you know, or or you know how many T-shirts did we sell today, or or what's the ticket sales like? There was just none of that because you're literally just showing up to work, right? You know what I mean? It's like you're you're, you're almost like punching in and punching out. Um. So right. and and I think the most jarring thing with that is we did so much television 
that like you had to be spot on. Like you, there was no option of, of having a bad night. Right. I mean, you're on, I'm, I'm playing fucking dancing with the stars. Like I can't mess this up. There are billions of people watching, you know, and they're not watching me. And there's a reason why they're not watching me because the music is just supposed to happen. You know what I mean? There's no emphasis on the music. It's these singers. You're just watching these singers. The music is happening. It's implied. So you have to make sure that it's implied. Yeah, that's right. There's no, there's no artistic interpretation with what you are doing. You are, 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 are simply, you know, and this isn't disparaging what you were doing, but just the idea that you are a cog in this machine. And it's like, you can't break down in this Tucker. You can't really show your personality too much. (laughs) Totally, totally. You you have to kind of wear black and 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 do the thing and make it so so the the performance is is untouched. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we did it. The the boys sang great. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't like wow, the band was so sick. It was like the boys did great. <laughs> went, it went well. The label's happy. You know, moving on. What's the next show that we're doing? You know, it's like it's like Dancing with the Stars, American Idol, uh, Ellen DeGeneres. You know, Jay Leno, all of these fucking massive television shows. Right, right. You know, it was it was it was insane. You know, and here I am like a fucking hardcore kid who, you know, is just waiting for his his uh defunct band to resurrect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm passing time <laughs> playing all these T V shows, just waiting. You know, it's crazy. Totally. Yeah, you like people would, you know, like trip over themselves to have this opportunity and you're just like, Man, I can't I can't wait to play in front of you know, six hundred people again. Like this is just gonna be so great. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm like in an arena being like, All right, well oh, I just talked to Jeff today, this is sick. Cool. We're gonna we might be doing something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, last two things I want to hit with you on the, the fact that a lot of the uh, stuff, especially with you know what you have put together with Ellis Dunes, uh, where it, it takes a collaborative nature, especially for drummers to be able to lock into a new set of people, to be able to you know kind of be the glue that's holding a lot of things together, whether it's you know Thursday or obviously anything else you've done musically. Um, have have you kind of viewed yourself as that where it's like okay i'm gonna be this person that's like you know not the orchestrator of everything but like I, i'm gonna be the the core i'm gonna be the person that's like you know easy to collaborate with um you know how how is your mentality approached in regards to that collaboration i feel like going back to the implied thing like the music is happening like i, I i've always just wanted to be the the person in the band that no one has to worry worry about you know like the performance is going to be as good as humanly possible every single night, if I can help it. You know what I mean? I don't want anybody to ever have to worry about me being unprepared or under rehearsed. You know, I, I just always pride myself on like, Hey, I got this guitar part. Like, Oh, don't worry about you. I got you. You know what I mean? Like I'll have the drums to you by in an hour. You know what I mean? Like that, I feel like is my role to be, to be, you know, relied on. Right. Like the dependability. And I I think that's an important aspect of many i mean when you're playing in bands or playing with anybody just that idea that what you say you're going to do you're actually going to do it and you know show up with this thing whatever you've promised yeah like no one ever has to worry about like oh where are your drums you know what i mean like i keep my drums at my house and i keep them all maintained and i play them every single day and i I practice every day i might not be practicing thursday songs or ls dune songs but i'm practicing my craft 
you know, if I need to show up somewhere, like I don't need anything. Like I will show up with all the stuff that you think that I need. You know what I mean? Like that, that's where I pride myself. Like I am the all encompassing drummer. Like I show up fully prepared with all of the stuff, you know, nothing left behind and right. hopefully a good attitude. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going to get all of me. And, uh, you know, if you don't like all of me and the preparedness, then that's fine. But I've at least done my thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you're going to pay for it. Right. <laughs> for sure. And that, that actually dovetails into the last question I was going to ask where just the, the business aspect of it. Cause I actually, I, I, I jokingly, uh, w- wrote this down where it's just like, you know, you have a LinkedIn page. Like that's obviously very professional of you. Um, and the business aspect of, you know, all of the stuff that you've done, whether it's playing with the wanted or the, you know, what, you know, the moment that Thursday started to play a show and you got paid $200 to play for it. How have you interacted with the business side of things? Has that always been something that you, is sort of a necessary evil for you to, you know, address and understand? Or did you enjoy that aspect of it? I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. Like, I don't know what my worth is. I don't know. Like, for a while I was doing like remote drum sessions and, you know, I had this amount that I would charge and then somebody would come to me and be like, hey, I can only afford this. I'd be like, all right, I got you. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sure. You know, or like my my buddy Jim Ward calls and, you know, he has a solo record he wants to make and he tried to pay me at, at the end of it. I was like, absolutely not. You know what I mean? Like, it's on me. Like, I love you. You know what I mean? And then we did a Sparta record and I was like, don't even think about trying to send me a Venmo. We're not doing this. I'm happy to be on this record. You know, so I'm like terrible at like, I would be a terrible merch person because I would just give everybody everything for free. Right. Yeah. You're like, Oh, you don't, you don't have that. That's totally fine. I'm like, man, they could use that 20 bucks probably for something better. Like they probably need this shirt. Like they want this shirt so bad. I'm just going to give it to them. You know what I mean? like, right. Right. So I'm you, terrible. I'm terrible at that shit. Right. So, well then how, I mean, I guess alternatively on the flip side, how have you navigated that? Because you know where your, you know, maybe open heartedness deficiency is, you know, how, how have you been able to, I guess, get at a spot where you can, you know, clearly make a living out of what you're doing? I mean, there, there are some days that I wake up and I'm like, all right, I need to meet this expectation. Like you got to stop being a pushover and you stop, you know, stop being the doormat, you know, and, and kind of just, you know, if people don't want the number, then, you know, they can move on to somebody else. You know what I mean? And like, sure. That bums me out because I want to do everything. I want to play on everyone's record, you know, but you know, sometimes that's not the case. And, you know, most of the time, if you give them the number and they don't, they, they think it's too much, you know, they'll call back. Right. <laughs> totally. They're like, okay, we can't do this, but we can do this. And you're like, yes, negotiation, yeah. it works. <laughs> we cycled through the nine other people before we called you and none of them could do it. So now we're on to you and I guess we have to pay you. <laughs> that's for so it's like you're like listen i'm just gonna i'm gonna stay here i'm kind of like a cockroach like you can't kill me you're gonna need me at some point like so you'll you'll find me. exactly dude exactly <laughs> yeah remember you oh you need drums i got them right yeah remember me them. showing up and being being the responsible one like yes don't worry i will be here <laughs> yep yeah and black friday sale 10 percent off <laughs> that's that's beautiful well uh tucker <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out, dude. I honestly really appreciate you letting me uh, ping-pong around your brain for this stuff. Right. You're amazing, and uh, I love your band, and I just think you're awesome. And uh, when we played uh, a few years back, I just it was nice to meet your family and hang out and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to be on your radar. 
It's you. You will continue to be on my radar, whether you like it or not, Tucker. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I appreciate it, man. I really do. Really Thank you very much, Tucker, for coming on the show and uh, his tour manager, Haley, if I'm not mistaken. I think I'm totally getting that right. But uh, Haley for trying to help us through the technical difficulties. And shout out to my boy, Tim, who is a PR man extraordinaire, and I love to work with him on projects. So that is all of the shout outs. But you, the listener, care about who is coming on next week. And my favorite record of last year was a band called Holy Fawn called Dimensional Bleed, and I'm very excited to welcome the vocalist, Ryan Osterman, from Holy Fawn on the show next week. You like how I do that? I name a record, and then I'm like, boom, here we go. Here's the guest. So that's uh, that, I, I did that on purpose, guys. You know, this, is, this isn't my, uh, my first year doing something like this. But <laughs> anyways, all joking aside, I'm very excited to bring you this discussion with Ryan because, um, you know, I basically just like talk to him about how much I love his band. And I actually punished him in person as well, but I'll get into that next week. So anyways, until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.